Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. The readings for this weekend speak to us about the practice of humility, and they also warn us about the danger of pride. Now, there's a well-known story about Clark Gable. He had a friend who was a famed photographer, and he called the friend up and he said, you know, when you get some time, could you come on over to the house and take some pictures for me for a portrait? So the friend said, sure, absolutely. So he came over to the house, and he started taking pictures of Clark Gable. Now, what was so interesting was that Clark Gable kept posing as characters that he portrayed in previous movies. Well, after about an hour, the photographer became so frustrated and so angry, he stopped. And he said to Clark Gable, you know, I want a picture of you and not the characters that you used to play. Well, we all know a humble person can be honest with themselves always and everywhere. You know, as a Christian virtue, humility is always rooted in God. And a Christian knows all he is and all he has and ever will be is a gift from God. Therefore, we are in constant need of God by practicing humility. What is pride? What's navel-gazing? It's constantly looking at ourselves to the extent that the person says, you know, all my wants and all my needs and all my desires are at the center of my life. They are the focus of my entire life. Everything in my life, it comes first. And everyone else and everything else takes a back seat to me. The prideful person is constantly consumed with what people are thinking about them. What are people saying about me? Didn't I make a good impression last night at the party? Now, mind you, pride is one of the seven deadliest sins. Why? Well, because a prideful person, their ego becomes so great that it eclipses the presence of God in their life. A prideful person is one who's obsessed with themselves because they are at the center of their life and not God. Now, we shouldn't be surprised how prevalent pride is in our society. It starts off very innocent. Think of it. All of us at a very early age, say when we were in grade school, what did we want to do the most? We wanted to impress mom and dad, get their attention, or our teachers. So we worked hard to get good grades so mom and dad would see that. Or we excelled at sports. Now, later on in life as adults, You know, we wanted to win the praise of others, maybe our co-workers or even our boss. And so it's very easy to be preoccupied with honor. Now, don't get me wrong. We all like to know that we're doing well from time to time. Sure, at work, whatever we do. But what's the danger when our happiness 
is dependent upon others. For example, I say to you, I need you and your approval of me in order for me to be happy. The problem with that is we all know people are fickle. You know, what they say today is going to be different from what they say tomorrow. And so if our happiness is determined by others, you know, with their ever-changing expectations, well, we're going to be in big trouble. We're, in fact, we'll never be happy. Now, it begs the question, does the crowds in our society today, do they really value the lives of the saints? People who lived good spiritual and moral lives? People of prayer? Hardly. Hardly at all. Who does our society elevate and value today? Hollywood stars, sports figures, entertainers? Why? Because we look at those people and we say to ourselves, man, they have it all. They've got fame and fortune. They've got wealth and power. They've got notoriety. They have everything. And so they should be the happiest people on the face of this earth. Well, I think that's what the readings are telling us, warning us against. I'll give you a true-to-life example. After I was ordained, I was assigned to a parish as an associate. It was a large parish, 2,700 families. It was a blue-collar, middle-class parish. One day, I finished up all the Masses on Sunday. I locked up the place, went over to the rectory, sat down, turned on the TV, and started to relax. And I thought to myself, okay, all the work is done for today. Well, about a minute after I turned on the TV, the doorbell rings. Ugh. Well, I open the door, and there's a man standing there that I have never seen in my entire life. Now, I look over his shoulder, and I see a brand new BMW parked in the parking lot. I look back at the man in his dress in a very nice Armani suit with a Rolex watch. So immediately I said to myself, this man does not belong to this parish. And so he said, you know, can I just talk to you for a few minutes? So I said, sure, fine. So we sat down at the kitchen table and he began to tell me all about his life. And he told me that, you know, he started his own company and now he's the CEO of that company. He makes millions and millions of dollars. In fact, he has five cars, four houses, even two airplanes. Now, mind you, I've only been a priest for four weeks. And so I draw upon all my experience of four weeks. And my response to the man is, oh, that's great. I'm very happy for you. And then the man proceeds to break down and cry. And he tells me how unhappy he is. In fact, how miserable he is. And then he explains why. His whole life he spent chasing after these things. He thought that happiness was found in money, materialism, power, honor, fortune. And so he chased all those things throughout his entire life. And now that he is at the end of his life, he's accumulated all these possessions. These possessions that he thought was going to make him happy. And yet now, at the end of his life, he realizes he's absolutely miserable. He's not happy at all. And he wasted his life. Now, I think that story is very applicable to the scripture readings for this weekend and the lesson. This is why we can't allow our happiness to be dependent upon or determined by the world or others in this world. 
Think of it. If our self-worth and our self-esteem was dependent upon the world and what people thought of us, we would be in serious spiritual trouble. In fact, we would be just like that man. Now, turn to the readings. They help us find a solution to this problem. Notice the first reading from Sirach. It says, My child, conduct your affairs with humility. You know, there's a great story about St. Augustine. A person approached him and said, What are the three most important things in the spiritual life? Augustine said, Humilitas, humilitas, humilitas. You know, humility, it comes from the Latin word humus, which means ground. Well, to practice humility, it means we are grounded in our identity as servants of God. We practice humility and therefore we're rooted and grounded in our faith and our relationship with God, such that our faith is the central organizing aspect of our life. Everything in our life flows from our faith, our relationships, our family, our work, our activities, our decisions, all flow from our faith. Furthermore, one can easily argue, humility is the bridge to holiness. Where is that most clearly seen? Well, in the lives of the saints. One common thread that is woven through all the saints' lives is they practice humility. They were all grounded and rooted in who they were in relationship to God and others in this world. Well, what's the opposite of humility? Well, pride, right? Pride does exactly the opposite. It uproots us away from God. Pride is one in which the individual says, I am the center of my life. I no longer need God. Everything is about me. Well, turn to the gospel. Jesus addresses just that. It says he noticed how the people were choosing places of honor. Now, we see this a lot, right? People jockeying for positions, maybe at work, meetings, even parties. Jockeying for positions so that everyone notices them. What does Jesus tell us? Don't do that. In fact, do the opposite. Seek not to be noticed. Why? Because God is already noticed. And that's all that counts. Give you some simple examples. You come to church during the day or even at night. You pray, yes, for yourself, but for others, for family, for your neighbors, for people at church. No one sees you come and into the church. No one notices you go to the church and pray. But I would argue there's more truth in that simple moment than the applause of a thousand people. Or you go home and you sit with your child and you help them with their homework. Or you know of a relative or a neighbor that is essentially living alone, or maybe in a nursing home. And you go and you visit them. Now, no one notices you do this. No one sees you visit this person. But there's more truth and beauty in that act of charity than the admiration of hundreds of people at a party. Now, notice at the very end, Jesus turns it up a notch. He says, when you hold a lunch or dinner, don't invite friends or relatives in case they invite you back. You have repayment. See, we have to guard against. Generosity and charity can be a disguise for honor. You say to yourself, okay, I'm going to help that person because I, I'm going to need that person's help in a few weeks. Well, the motivation is reciprocity. It's a quid pro quo. And Jesus addresses that. He says at the very end, 
When you hold a banquet, invite the poor, the cripple, and the lame because of their inability to repay you. And then you will be repaid in the resurrection. We do good works with a proper motivation because we want to imitate Jesus Christ. And we do those good works without anyone noticing in the true spirit of Christ. See, that's a nice lesson. Faith is not about a quid pro quo in which we bargain with God. We don't say to God, okay, God, I'll come to Mass every Sunday and pray every day, provided you now give me a good life and good health and a good career. Well, God doesn't operate that way. In fact, if that's our attitude, that's pride. Instead, faith is us in relationship with Christ, in living out that relationship every day of our life to the best of our abilities, without any fanfare and without anyone noticing except one, God. And that's all that counts. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.